had Romans 8 printed here, but it's not Romans 8. It's, it's, it, it, it might have been Romans 12 or 13, but I, should, I, I think I was thinking of Romans 12 or 13. It should be Ecclesiastes 8. So you'll have to turn in your Bibles, and you can't read on the screen. And the page number is wrong. And it's my lack of giving attention to what I had written alone that is responsible for that uh, mistake. So, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Chapter 8, verses 1 through 9. like the wise and who knows the interpretation of a thing a man's wisdom makes his face shine and the hardness of his face is changed I say keep the king's command because of God's oath to him be not hasty to go from his presence do not take your stand in an evil cause for he does whatever he pleases for the word of the king is supreme. Who may say to him, what are you doing? Whoever keeps the command will know no evil thing, and the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. For there is a time and a way for everything, although man's trouble lies heavy on him. For he does not know what is to be, for who can tell him how it will be? No man has power to retain the spirit or power over the day of death. There is no discharge from war, nor will wickedness deliver those who were given to it. All this I observed while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun, when a man has power over man to his hurt. Heavenly Father, bless to our understanding the reading your infallible inerrant word we ask in Jesus name amen, amen. government is a blessing from God now that is hard for Americans who were who live in a country founded um, on the basis of the tax rule to understand at times. Um, but it's true. Romans chapter 13 that I just referenced, we might want to just, let's just turn over to Romans 13. Because we need, I need to read this all the time. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. And that doesn't just say kings. It just says governing authorities. So that's one of those easy general interpretations that spans the ages. For, it tells us why, there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. 
Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for, your, for good. And that word servant is diakonos. He's your deacon. The, the public official, the public authority is your servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. And it goes on to tell us we have to pay taxes. And if you think, well, what, what do we do when the government is wicked? Do we still pay taxes even when the government is wicked? And the answer is yes. Who is the emperor when Paul writes these letters? The emperor is Nero, one of the most wicked rulers of all time. One uh, who would turn, and we, and we see later in the, in the book of Acts, that the apostles, the, the, the only time that we are given to disobey the government is when the government tells us to disobey God. It's that simple. In Acts chapter 5, the, the apostles were ordered by the Sanhedrin, which was the Jewish authority in Jerusalem, to stop preaching in Jesus' name. And they simply said, you judge whether it is right in your sight or not, but we obey God, and God has commanded us to preach the gospel, and we will not, no matter what the consequences are, stop preaching the gospel. <clears throat> but everywhere in the Bible, in, in our prayers, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, uh, verse 11, we're, we're in our public prayers, we're always to pray for those in authority over us. Our prayer is for good government, and we are blessed to live in a nation founded on the principle of <clears throat> representation, to respect those in authority. And it tells us why in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verses 1 through 4. Because there is power in the word of the king. And here I would stretch that out. And it's, it's interesting. Solomon's writing about the king's power and <clears throat> the king's authority. And basically, no one can tell the king uh, what he can or cannot do. Now that is earthly authority. We go beyond that as we think about um, obeying God. Who is the ultimate king? Who is the ultimate authority? It is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So to get this in our, our hearts and our mind correctly, we must have that uh, distinction. And this is, this is what Solomon is saying. And this is what Paul is explicitly saying 
in Romans chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, which we read. <clears throat> Soldiers, politicians, Policemen, firemen, judges, jurors. I don't know, the jurors take it out. I don't know, do they? Does? They do. When you get married, you take an oath. There are all kinds of oaths we, that are lawful. You take an oath of loyalty. And Solomon talks about here taking oath of loyalty to the king. It's not wrong to do that. In fact, it's enjoined upon us that we will take lawful oaths. Sometimes people are are goaded into taking unlawful oaths, but there's but there's nothing wrong with taking a lawful oath. We take an oath of office if you've been in the military to um, support and uphold the Constitution and to obey all lawful orders. In the military, you're taught what is the difference in the basic training. You're taught the difference between a lawful order and an unlawful order. The most famous case in my lifetime was the uh, unlawful order that Lieutenant uh, uh, Cali in Vietnam ordered the destruction of the village of Milan. And that order was carried out and there was a trial. He was convicted. I think he spent some time in Leavenworth. He could have been up for the death penalty. Because he carried and because some of those soldiers carried out an unlawful order. We we must obey lawful orders, but we also must disobey unlawful orders. How do you survive under a wicked ruler? How, how do people enter into government service? We have people in the military. And we look at the, uh, the uh, structure of, the, of our current government and we wonder about it. Well, I think scripture is full of examples of how you do that. One of the most famous ones is Jonathan, Saul's son who was David's best friend. Jonathan was the prince, the king elect. He was the one who was in waiting to be the king in succession to Saul. And yet his heart was knit toward David. And all the while being faithful in his father's house to the point he, he could be, he also helped his friend escape the wrath of the king. And yet, when he died, he died at the side of his father. Nathan, the prophet of, of, of Israel, when, when David uh, was 
king and committed his horrible act of adultery and murder and lying to cover up his sin. Nathan waited months before he was summoned to the king. And when the king summoned him and asked him, he told him a story. Told him a story about sheep and sheep farmer, rich sheep farmer and a poor sheep farmer. And how the rich sheep farmer wanted this one little lamb and, and, uh, and took it and killed it and pointed his finger at David and said, you are the man. It's a lesson how God puts us in a position. Nathan could have easily been killed by the king for bringing bad news. But the result of his faithfulness in, in a difficult time was uh, repentance and, and uh, turning to the Lord by the King David. Esther is the famous story of uh, a woman, a young woman in, in uh, Persia elevated to the role of a king Silent for all that time as God prepared her for the time when the Jews were planning to be murdered. Jews being murdered by Persia. That seems to be a consistent theme in history, doesn't it? God miraculously preserves his people through Esther and her faithfulness. Her uncle Mordecai, who said to her, God is, he didn't say God, there's no mention of God in Esther, but it was obvious that providence had put her in that place for such a time as this. In our country, we, we still have, have unprecedented freedom. You know, it's amazing. Only any day, any business day, you can pick up your phone and you can call your senator and you can call your congressman's office and you can talk to someone who will deliver a message for you. I think it's um, an absolute responsibility. I mean, I've, I've, I've as a, as a um, I've advocated for people for all kinds of things through our representatives and I'm always amazed and, and appreciative of how responsive they are to listen, especially for people's needs. We live in an incredible country. It is a time for believers who've been placed in such a time as this to call your representatives, to call your senators, to call your executive branch, to let them know how important these issues are to you that touch on the scriptures and faith and practice because we are a nation that was founded not, not merely on tax rebellion, but on freedom of worship. The first amendment of our constitution is the right to worship God and protected the protection of speech 
I, I, I was made incredibly aware of this when I took my oath of office as a chaplain. That was, that's, that's the only reason chaplaincy exists. The only, 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 only reason that we can have chaplains in federal institutions is because it's in our constitution that uh, the right to worship God according to the dictates of one's conscience will not be infringed. The right, that first amendment is the, the pure basis of that. That's the founding of our country. And if you're a citizen of this country, you have the right to speak and redress uh, grievances and you have the right. And I would say even more as a Christian, you have the responsibility to speak for righteousness on issues that affect righteousness around the world and in this country. We have the right to say to our authorities, what are you doing? <laughs> Solomon implies you can't say that to the king, but we don't have a king. Who knows what it, what it is to be and how, 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 and who can tell him how it will be? Ultimately, God has ultimate authority. But more than that, we have power in the midst of even an oppressive government, and this is what believers are experiencing throughout the world we live in and have experienced throughout history, we have power when we carry out his commands. We have power when we do what God tells us to do. We have no power to retain the, the spirit or power over the day of our death. We don't know when we're going to die. It's a mercy that we don't. If the king conscripts you for war, you can't get out of it. I hear they're trying to reinstitute the draft. It'll be interesting how that goes. But if you're drafted, if you're a young man, and sadly, probably if you're a young woman, uh, there will be no discharge from that. Some of you who've lived through the draft, you remember what that was like. I just missed it by that much. Nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. And unlike our representative democracy where we can call up our rulers, God's kingdom is not a democracy. God's kingdom is a kingdom. <laughs> he is the great king. And he has told us what he requires of us in ten commandments, not ten suggestions. We are to have no other gods before him that we are not to make an idol. That we're not to take his name in vain. That we are to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. That we are to honor our father and our mother. That we are not to murder. 
that we're not to commit adultery. We're not to steal. We're not to lie. We're not to, we're not to covet what belongs to others. We have a, 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 a command to do what is right, and we are told exactly what is right. And if we are a child of the King through faith in Jesus, we have the power to obey and to do what is right. We have the power to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the power to love our neighbor as ourselves. And his commandments are not burdensome. They are life. We live in a day where wicked rulers hurt people. I, uh, I am... Uh, I, try, I, I can't read too many of the reports of what Hamas did to the children of Israel and to the families there. Such wickedness. If you go, if you go to uh, Israel, there's a brand new Holocaust museum. I'm, I, and I understand there's an incredible one in Washington, D.C. I've never been there. I've been to the one in Israel. Uh, it, it takes your breath away. And that's that public violence, Hamas, that word Hamas, it comes right out of Genesis 7. It's an it's a Aramaic and it's a Hebrew word too that means violence. The very name of this group is violence. And it's a word that, that uh, was used when God told Noah, I've had enough of this world. And, and because of its violence, it's Hamas, that word is Hamas, in Hebrew and in Aramaic. They've taken this name. They're wicked rulers, they hurt people, they're evil. They are evil uh, rulers that delight in, 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 in murder and torture and death. And what is our hope in the midst of this? Our hope is that God is sovereign over it all. And if we keep the king's command in whatever circumstances we are, even in the threat of death, we can be fearless. We can be bold. <laughs> we can smile in the face of it. Because we know that Christ, our king, has conquered it once and for all. We can be like John the Baptist in the palace of Herod and tell him to his face, Tell the ruler to his face of his wickedness. It may cost us our head, but we can do it. And John the Baptist gladly did it. And Jesus said of him, there's no one greater among women that has been born than John. And he sent his own message to the king. Very uncertain, very certain a certain language to tell him of his sin and rebellion. Our Lord Jesus wants us to know as he went to the cross, as he faced 
torture and death. He wants us to know that he holds us in his hand <laughs> and that nothing, nothing can snatch us from his hand. And because he does that, we can be fearless. That there is a, and we can have a calmness and a certitude and we can have peace. We can have shalom in the midst of the face of evil. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, for government. We thank you for our government that we have. Help us to be better citizens of it. Help us to give our voice to righteousness. We do pray for those representatives that have been elected, that they would do what is right, and not merely what is good for themselves. We pray that evildoers would be exposed, and, and Father, righteousness would be exalted. We think of the nations of the world that are under attack, that are um, experience the horrors of war. Uh, we, think, we think of Ukraine, we think of Armenia, we think of Israel right now. We think of many Palestinian people who are not a part of Hamas, who are caught in the crossfire, some professing Christians. We pray for the Jewish people to be protected we pray for their army to be judicious and yet forceful in exercising the sword that you have given them in such a way, Lord, to glorify yourself and to bring honor to your name and to expand the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Help us to see Jesus as he is, high exalted, lifted up at your right hand, reigning, putting enemies under his feet. Father, may all who are, are distraught um, and troubled cry out to him. In the midst of this evil world, may they have the peace of Christ. Father, we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Him of preparation.